Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders at the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And in this episode, we are going to continue our examination of Paul's words of exhortation found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 14 through 22. The next one that we want to look at is rejoice evermore. The idea that Christians of all people should rejoice always fills Paul's writings. In the Philippians letter, Paul wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2. Paul even found cause for rejoicing in his sufferings. Consider Colossians chapter 1 verses 23 through 24. If you continue in the faith grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. This exhortation does not mean that a Christian is always to be giddy, filled with mirth and laughing all the time. However, it does call for a recognition of the fact that we serve the Lord Jesus, a recognition of the fact that we are saved and that this world is not our final destination. Just a quick glance at the first chapter of Paul's letter to the Ephesians gives us so many reasons why we should always have joy within our hearts. As Christians, God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That's Ephesians 1 and verse 3. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. That's verse 7. Through Christ Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance and were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's from verses 11 and 13. There is so much more for us to enjoy as we go through life with our eyes firmly upon the Lord Jesus Christ and our eternal home with him as our ultimate destination. With all this being true, how is it possible for Christians to live their lives with a dour disposition, walking about with downcast eyes and looking as though the weight of the whole world is resting upon our shoulders? While we live in the world and the events of the world do affect us, We are not of the world. Consequently, even when bad things happen, Christians recognize that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That's Romans 8 and verse 18. Once again, Paul exhorted the Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. To understand what Paul meant by the exhortation to pray without ceasing, We need only to examine Paul's personal use of prayer in this letter to the Thessalonians and in the second letter to the Thessalonians. The idea is to always be of a prayerful attitude. 
to have the kind of disposition that would cause us to go to our Father in prayer at every opportune time, and not to grow weary in this, but to remain consistent and persistent. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 11-13, through 13, we find Paul praying in written form, Now God himself and our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ, direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and towards all men, even as we do toward you. To the end he may establish your hearts unblameable and holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. What a beautiful prayer that seems to be almost spontaneous on Paul's part as he told the Thessalonians of his deep concern for them and how thankful he was when he received word of them from Timothy. In chapter 5, as Paul was bringing to a close his first letter to the Thessalonians, he wrote in verse 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the second Thessalonian letter, we find brief prayers in chapter 1, verse 11, chapter 2, verse 16, chapter 3, verse 5, and chapter 3, verse 16. All of this goes to show us how deeply ingrained prayer was in the very character of Paul. He was constantly aware of God's presence and of his own need for communication with him. Consider some of the different ways that our Lord taught the need for persistence in prayer. I thrill to his words in Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13. He said, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asks receives, and he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? In his commentary on Philippians and Colossians from the Truth Commentary series, Walton Weaver made a comment concerning Paul's exhortation in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, yet another example of the importance Paul placed upon prayer in the life of a Christian. Paul wrote, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. About this Weaver wrote, Perseverance in prayer is needed as long as God's people are in need and the God who promises is still in heaven. I believe that summarizes the tenor of the New Testament teaching on prayer pretty well. Let's look at the next exhortation. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I remember very few things from my first grade year of parochial school at St. John's the Evangelist in Cincinnati, Ohio. But one thing has stuck with me over these many years. My teacher told us a story about God summoning two angels into his presence and giving them each a job to do. One was to take a basket and go to earth, 
bringing back all of the requests that people made of God. The other was to take a basket and bring back all of the thank yous that people made to God for blessings received and prayers answered. As the story went, the angel collecting requests brought back a basket that was overflowing, while the angel collecting thank yous had but a few at the very bottom of his basket. It was a silly, simple story told to a group of first graders, but I'll tell you what, I have never forgotten it, and I'm many, many years removed from the first grade. As years went by, how surprised I was to learn that the Lord had taught the very same lesson at the conclusion of an event that took place in his life, recorded for us in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 17. There we find these words. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Let us not forget that God desires our thanks. He wants us to be appreciative and to express that appreciation. I'm reminded of Hebrews 13:15, where we are told, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks in his, to his name. Wilbur Fields, in his book, Thinking Through Thessalonians, wrote, It has been well observed that it is backwards to have only one day a year for thanksgiving and 364 for grumbling. We ought to have one day a year for expressing our grumbles, groans, grunts, and grouching, and 364 days a year for blessing the Lord who satisfies our mouth with good things. It is my prayer that I never forget to say thank you to God. The image from the story that I was told so long ago of the angel with the almost empty basket has never left my mind, and I hope and pray that it will never leave yours. Thanks for listening.